welcome to Word Online. Hello, and it's uh, good to have you back for Series 4, Episode 10. And we are in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're looking at the most important subject of loving your enemies with Jesus's famous teaching towards the end of Matthew chapter 5 as our subject today. Just to remind you again that the context of the Sermon on the Mount is an early part of Jesus's ministry. He's established himself in Galilee with lots of preaching and traveling, gathered disciples, just appointed 12 apostles, and he is delivering to them and other disciples his teaching about Christian lifestyle. So this is Christian ethics, this is discipleship, this is the way that we are called to live as Christians. So it's foundational teaching for all of us all the way through church history and it remains as important today as it was then. We're coming to the end of chapter 5 which is a particular section in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5 of Matthew started with the Beatitudes and then briefly dealt with Jesus's attitude to the Mosaic Law which is critical to chapter 5 in Matthew 5 17 to 20 where he described himself as fulfilling the law of Moses and he contrasts what the law of Moses says to his application often using the expression you've heard it said but I say to you and that's exactly what we're going to find in this passage the law of Moses is not officially part of Christian ethics unless principles are taken from there and incorporated into Christian ethics or perhaps developed and we're going to look at an interesting example today. This is closely connected to the last episode, episode 9, where we looked at the question of self-defence and Jesus taught in a revolutionary way not to resist an evil person. Speaking about opposition to Christians and disciples of Jesus that he anticipated would arise fairly soon, it hadn't arisen at that stage, very early stage Jesus was very popular but it wasn't going to be long before the followers of Jesus were going to be opposed in Israel by the authorities and others and then opposed also in other places where the gospel was preached. So that is the context. He's dealing with opposition and he spoke of not being self-defensive, of not formally resisting evil people when they are challenging our faith and trying to undermine us by individual actions and he spoke in the previous passage that we looked at also in the context where this state or the government is not supporting the church. Now in this particular passage we're going to look at today that theme is developed further by Jesus looking at the question of who is your neighbour and what about your enemies people who are opposing you. This is a really important question for us and has all sorts of different applications for us in different cultures and different contexts around the world. So the applications you make in your context might be different to the ones that I make in mine. But Jesus's teaching is incredibly important for us. We're going to first of all read the passage, Matthew 5 verses 43 to 48. There is a parallel in Luke 6 verses 32 to 36. But we're Sticking with Matthew's account. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what rewards will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. As we go to the beginning, we see a very interesting contrast here. In verse 43, you've heard it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. That's an interesting saying. And it was a saying that was used by the religious teachers of the day. Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. And what we need to do is just analyse this particular statement carefully before we move any further to try and work out what this passage is saying to us. Because that expression, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, is two phrases combined from different sources. Love your neighbour is an expression drawn from the law of Moses and the book of Leviticus, as we'll look at in just a moment. Hate your enemy is a statement that is not found in the law of Moses and was added in by the religious teachers of the Jews in order to define the difference between a neighbour and an enemy in their way of thinking. To put this simply, the neighbours in their thinking were fellow Jews and particularly fellow Jews who were religious and devout and followed the law of Moses. The enemies were people of other nations and people in Jewish society who they considered to be irreligious. And there were various other types of definitions similar to that around at the time. So basically what the religious teachers had done by putting these two statements together is they had defined who your neighbour is in a narrow way. A fellow Jew and particularly a fellow Jew who is following the Jewish faith in a wholesome way. And they had made each of these statements equally authoritative. They'd introduced the idea into their religion that you need to actually have an attitude of hatred, direct emotional opposition to people other than your own community and particularly other ethnic groups and perhaps those Jews that they didn't respect in their own society. That was amazing. And so the, the ordinary people were encouraged by the religious teachers to have a prejudice against people who were different from themselves. I wonder if that reminds you of anything in your own experience. In most of our societies and countries, there is a prejudice against some ethnic group, some other country, some incomers into our society, some parts of our society, some people of a different racial group or colour of skin. Those kind of prejudices are all over the world, aren't they? Maybe people of a different 
religious group, but the same ethnicity, but a different religious group in your society. Those prejudices are very, very common and they can solidify into distinguishing between people and perhaps coming to the sort of categories that are expressed here, the difference between neighbours and enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus challenges this statement. He does not accept that you can take the idea of hating your enemies into Christian discipleship at all. It's completely counterintuitive to Christianity. The starting point for Jesus is that the expression love your neighbour is one that he's going to build on in his teaching. And we need to just pause and, and go back to the first time that that statement is used in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 which says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, the neighbour there in that context was indeed the fellow Jew. So the religious teachers were right to focus on the fact that God said that you should love your fellow Jew, particularly those who are following the ways of God. But when they added hate your enemy, they were adding something that Jesus completely disagreed with. In fact, he had the opposite philosophy. Here's another example of a Jewish saying at the time. There was a sect of the Jews who lived in monastic communities in the desert areas called the Essenes by the Dead Sea. And they had a saying, love your brother, hate the outsiders. So Jesus is now redefining this whole thing by introducing the idea, love your enemies. Now, this is an amazing thing to say. The enemies here that he has primarily in mind are the enemies of the Christian faith. We've already seen this theme develop in the previous passage, verses 38 to 42, which we looked at in the last episode. And here Jesus continues this theme uh, because previously he's encouraged a very gracious attitude towards enemies of the faith who want to insult you, undermine you, take some of your possessions. And here he says, you've actually got to love your enemies and even pray for those people who are persecuting you because of your faith. Now, if we take all of Jesus's teachings on loving other people, we will find that there are three different categories of people that Jesus calls us specifically to show a loving attitude towards. The first one is mentioned here your enemies, people who are enemies of the faith. Now, that's a very hard thing. We're going to reflect on that in a bit more detail towards the end of this episode. The second one is anyone who is in need, 
who we have the power to help. Now we draw this from the parable of the Good Samaritan, which we're going to look at in a later episode in Luke 10 verses 25 to 37. Because that parable starts out with a discussion between Jesus and a Jewish man who was coming to talk to him about the question, who is my neighbour? When Jesus said you need to love your neighbour as yourself, the question comes back from the man, well, who is my neighbour? I thought it was just my fellow Jews who lived in my community, as Leviticus 19 verse 18 implies, was the thought in his mind. But Jesus tells a story where, as you will probably remember, but we'll look at it in the episode when we come to it, a man is uh, robbed on the roads, his body is left for dead. He's a Jewish man, fellow Jews pass by on the other side of the road. And then a Samaritan man comes and helps him. And the Jews and the Samaritans were two ethnic groups who didn't get on, lived side by side in the central parts of the country of Israel. And so we find that the Samaritan showed what loving your neighbour means by helping a person in need who he had the opportunity to help, whoever he was or whoever she was, the ethnic origin of that person, their nationality, their gender, their age. None of these things mattered. So when Jesus redefines love of other people he starts with loving your enemies that's the point made in this passage he then goes on later in his teaching to talk about loving your neighbor the person in need whom you have the power to help and thirdly Jesus describes a new command in John chapter 13 verse 34 where he says a new command I give you love one another speaking of the Christian community and disciples. So we've got three different categories of love, loving your enemy, loving the person who's needy, who you have the power to help, whoever they are, and loving your Christian brothers and sisters in the family of God. So here is a redefinition. And the particular focus on here is on undermining the concept in Judaism that you have the right to uh, separate yourself from and dislike and even hate people who are different from yourselves, different from your faith, different race, different religion, different culture. You can't do that as a Christian, says Jesus. No, we're going to be called upon to love our enemies and even to pray for those who persecute you. Jesus goes on in this passage to tell us that God causes his son to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. So the many good things God gives to all people, whoever they are, God is gracious and loving to all humanity and he gives us many blessings which theologians call common grace. And then he concludes this passage by explaining that if you're only kind to the people who you know, who are like you, who are on the same wavelength as you, the same faith as you, then you're not really different from anyone else because that's what other people do. That's what 
Jews do in their religious groups. That's what Buddhists do in their religious groups. That's what Hindus do in their religious groups. That's what Muslims do. That's what pagans do, he said. That's what secular people do in the West. If they get on with people, if they're in social clubs, sports clubs, working environments where they work together or on the same street, they're kind to each other because they've got a kind of common interest. And Jesus said, you're no different from those people if that's all you do. No, you've got to love your enemies. Reach out to people who are far away from you relationally and don't like you or trust you or want you. And he concludes in verse 48 with a powerful statement that is a conclusion of this passage, but it's also a conclusion of all the teaching of the whole chapter. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, what does that word perfect mean? The Greek word used in this text has a sense of being complete, that is being mature in character. So the maturing of character is what all these things are about. And these last two sections, the one about not resisting evil people that we did in the last episode, and this one here about loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you are very challenging examples of the character changes that God needs to bring about in us in order for us to be mature Christian disciples. We're going to face opposition, misunderstanding, even persecution. But disciples need to demonstrate real moral qualities of love to people who don't love them. That's a very real challenge. That's a challenge for me in my situation it will be a great challenge to many of you and immediately you'll know the things that this text brings to light in your own experience that are difficult for you. Can I encourage you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. As we reflect on this text in conclusion, I want to say this is an incredibly radical way of living that Jesus is proposing. And it implies incredible, miraculous work in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It also implies that God is our protector. If we're not going to be defensive against uh, our enemies and people who are against us, then we need to trust in God. But... Loving our enemies and praying for our enemies is exactly what Jesus himself did. And so the way we can interpret this passage best is through the example of Jesus. Let me just for a moment draw your attention to Jesus dying on the cross. And just to think about the story of Jesus dying on the cross as told by the four gospel writers, which we study in considerable detail later on in a different series. But Jesus, when he was on the cross, when he was dying, he prayed for the soldiers and the Roman authorities who were crucifying him with these piercing words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And in uttering those words, Jesus is fulfilling exactly what he asked us to do. Love your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you. He was praying for the people who were killing him. He was considerate towards his mother and for the thief on the cross, one of the two criminals who was crucified alongside him, who showed a great openness to his message and a great humility. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Someone who might have been considered an enemy of Jesus a few weeks ago as a criminal, uh, an outsider who was expressing a faith at the last minute of his life. Jesus reaches out to this past enemy and embraces him into his kingdom and said today you'll be with me in paradise I'll die you'll die we'll meet in paradise what an amazing example so what Jesus teaches he lives we saw that in the previous episode when we talked about resisting an evil person not resisting them as Christians here we see that Jesus is perfect in his maturity and in his character. He is like his heavenly father, perfect in love for those who oppose him. These are very challenging teachings. And many Christians have had to face the difficulties implied by having uh, enemies in their community governments, other religious groups, other parts of society really opposed to the church. Some of you will be in that situation even as I'm speaking to you today. And being able to love your enemies is one of the absolutely defining features of true biblical New Testament Christianity, true following of the implications of the Sermon on the Mount. It's very interesting in the European context how Christians responded in the period of the Second World War to the Nazi threat. Many nominal Christians in Central Europe and in Germany were not able to offer any significant resistance to the Nazis with their totalitarianism, their racialism, their anti-Semitism, their institutional violence and the persecution of minorities that they launched viciously across all of Central Europe in the areas where they became the rulers. But true Christians followed the path of discipleship. Two examples to give you as we bring this episode to a conclusion. There was a German theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote in the 1930s a wonderful book, The Cost of Discipleship, which is a study of the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the prized books on my shelf. And he knew from an early stage in Germany that Hitler and the Nazis needed to be resisted by the Christians in the sense of explaining to the German people that Nazism was contradictory to Christianity. They can't follow the Nazi creed. He was part of a group called the Confessing Church. He himself, as a result of this, was ultimately imprisoned and executed by the Nazis. He lost his life because he believed that with discipleship you need to love your enemies and pray for those 
who persecute you. He was offered the possibility of staying in Britain or in America, where he'd been visiting and working in the 30s. He chose to go back to Germany and to face a very tough last period of his life as he opposed the Nazi regime. And he gained his ideas from the Sermon on the Mount. And another moving example from that era comes from the famous Dutch Christian Corrie ten Boom. Her family in Holland were devout Christians. They studied the Bible and they took in Jewish people in order to help them hide from the Nazis once the German Nazis had invaded Holland. And eventually the family was discovered to be hiding Jews and the family members were sent to concentration camps in Germany. And she, Corrie and her sister Betsy, ended up in the Ravensbrück concentration camp under the control of vicious Nazi guards. She tells a story from the period after the Second World War, where she became a well-known Christian speaker. And she entered into a church in Germany and was involved in a service there and was speaking there. And she saw a man coming towards her at the end of the service, who she immediately recognised, a German man who had been a Nazi guard in the concentration camp in which she was imprisoned and with her sister and in which her sister died. And when she saw this man coming towards her, she froze up inside emotionally. All the memories of the persecution and hostility of the Nazis came flooding back. All the ridiculing that the Nazis made of her faith came to her mind during the interrogations in the concentration camp. And she vividly remembered this man as one of her persecutors. But she discovered that he had now become a Christian. And he reached out his hand in order that he could shake her hand. And she described in one of her writings what happened next. And it was to do with forgiveness for those who had been enemies and had persecuted her and her sister and her family and her fellow Dutch Christians in their campaign to help the Jews. This is what she writes. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And so in that moment, as he reached out to her, she forgave her enemy. Someone she'd prayed for before. She forgave him and she reached out her hand and shook his hand with the words after he'd asked her to forgive her. The words she said were, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. She lived 
this message. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And ultimately, she triumphed in her forgiveness and in her gracious attitude, even though there was much suffering involved in the process, including the loss of her sister in that concentration camp. We've reached now the end of episode 10. We've reached the end of chapter 5. And we've reached the end of a series of teachings of Jesus, which are based on reinterpreting the law of Moses for Christian discipleship, where Jesus is explaining how he fulfills the law of Moses. Chapter six goes on with some other very important themes, and I look forward to sharing with those with you in future episodes. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.